Steve Lanham. May contain spoilers. May contain spoilers. On this week's May Contain Spoilers, we gaze upwards towards the heavens and hope for a paradise where Elysium lives up to the height. We also take a trip back to the 70s where you could actually see pornography in a cinema in Lovelace. Oh, and there's something going on with Batman too. If you've seen a film this week, then send us your reviews by tweeting at Film Spoilers or email Spoilers at hop1028.com. This is a record of what we picked up being transferred between Carlisle and the criminal cell. That's why she wants it so badly. He's got the keys to the kingdom in his head. Now we just need to find him. Hello and welcome to May Contain Spoilers. My name's Steve Lanham. I'm Drew Bridger. And I'm JP Stockwell. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to be taking a look at the uh, latest Neil Blomkamp film, Elysium. We'll also review Lovelace, starring Amanda Seyfried. We're going to take a look at the film news which broke this week, which you might have heard sort of mentioned in passing. Apparently, It's only a small story, so probably Something not. to do with a new Batman or something, I don't know. Something like that. We might give it a mention anyway. And uh, there'll be all the usual array of things like Sofa Cinema and... Uh, the new Kickstarter corner, which Drew is always very pleased to bring us each week. Yep. So all that's coming up in the show. Unfortunately, we're not live this week. We're pre-recorded, but that doesn't mean you can't get involved with what we're talking about. You can still do that, and we'll mention it uh, on next week's show, or we'll kind of tweet it during the week. You can do that by tweeting at Film Spoilers, or you can email spoilers at hot1028.com. You can do that anytime. We're not prejudiced like that. We'll give you a retweet if you do. Yes, maybe. If it's good enough. I don't like sort of agreeing to do things beforehand, which we seem to... What? No, I mean obviously if 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 you've got, you know, swear words in there or are saying, you know, the negative things about us, but we still appreciate Within reason. Yeah. Let's sit here and we we'll drop a contract now. With reservations. And, uh, <laughs> if we can nail this down somewhere in the next fifty minutes. We appreciate differing opinions other than our own. Other opinions are available, yes. although I probably don't agree with them, so No. Anyway, uh, that's all coming up in tonight's show. Let's uh, kick off our first review, which is uh, the return of Neil Blomkamp. Blomkamp? Blomkamp? Uh, Blom- Blomkamp. Blomkamp. I think. That's uh, how I've heard people say it. Yeah. The director of District 9 who returns with Elysium, uh, and the story of Elysium is set in the year 2154, where the very wealthy live on a man-made space station while the rest of the population resides on a ruined Earth. A man takes on a mission that could bring equality to the polarised worlds. You have been exposed to a lethal dose of radiation. You will experience catastrophic organ failure. In five days' time, you will die. What is going on? Why has production stopped? He's been exposed. Don't, don't breathe on me. Cover your mouth. I'm sorry, sir. Does his skin fall off or something? I don't want to replace the bedding in there. Just get him out. Yes, sir. Great. Thank you. Mr. Carlisle, your shuttle is ready for departure. Please sign this to receive medication. My all extremely potent. We'll keep you functioning normally until your death. Please take one pill with each meal. Thank you for your service. So, Elysium is uh, directed by Neil Blomkamp and stars Matt Damon, Jodie Foster and Charlotte Copley. What did you guys think of Elysium? 
I think that um, firstly Neil Blomkamp is one of these upcoming directors that for some unexplainable reason has completely nailed it every time he's made a film I mean District he's only made 9, one film before this well no though. exactly well only the, the one film he made before this District 9 made such an impact I'm not disagreeing really with that good. by the way but. it was really really good and I think he's totally done it again with Elysium JP so. I think kind of slightly less so actually I, uh, I thought that there were some you know expensive visual effects in there and uh, you know some fairly edge-of-your-seat kind of action sequences, but I think overall, I think mostly, it just kind of feels very similar to District 9. You say expensive, expensive. you say expensive, but expense doesn't seem to be a guarantee of uh, special effects looking good and uh, the special effects in Elysium is one of my favourite things about it because Mm. the whole world feels sort of lived in, that's what I like about it, everything seems like it fits so all of the and this is what Neil Blomkamp's really good at all of the kind of technology and the equipment and the weaponry and the ships and all that sort of thing feel like they really do exist in this world and they look kind of they're tangible yeah they look they don't look so they're not shiny and new and everything they're beaten and they're battered and they're worn in a bit but not to the extent that it's at the other end where it looks too kind of distressed and manicured and and, exactly. and like it's deliberately kind of scuffed up. Do you know what it reminded me most of? I mean, it's specifically the bits on Earth where it's very urban and overpopulated and lived in and a bit gritty. It reminded me a lot of Dread. And there were moments in it where I thought, do you know what? That's good because that was one of the things that I noticed and liked about Dread was that there were things there that were not new and fresh and shiny, but they were kind of technically old, even though it's in the future, you know? Yeah, but, and then um, you have that contrasted with the world of Elysium, which is the space station in the sky where all the rich people live and these, these people who are living in squalor on Earth are, are sort of aiming to get at. Yeah. And that does have the real sort of clean and uh, that's paradise look like look to it. That's the more accessible sci-fi, I the, think, yeah. part of it. There's almost like there's two different worlds of sci-fi happening here. There's Elysium, which... Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say this now. Uh, you can tell Neil Blomkamp plays video games because that's kind of... Uh, the whole idea of Elysium is a little bit of a mixture of some stuff from Mass Effect and a little bit of stuff from Halo. And there's, you know, everything's automated there and it's all shiny and new. So you can kind of see that happening. And that's the sci-fi that people will recognise as being futuristic and, you know, everything's controlled by Apple almost. But I don't you know? think it's too much like computer games. Sometimes with kind of blockbusters you get that. Yeah. The, the most obvious comparison I can make for this film is to look at it, it with regards to Oblivion. And Oblivion, again, looked amazing, the, the kind of shots of Tom yeah. Cruise's house where it's the back projection in the sky and all that sort of stuff. Looked fantastic. But the story was so hollow hollow and derivative and yes. you've seen it so many times before that's why I really enjoyed Elysium because although it's not a wholly original story I found it much more interesting than films like Oblivion it had way more guts to it and it had a, a message to it so like District 9 obviously he's from a South African background District 9 was focused around the idea of this kind of subspecies of aliens and then the humans kind of in control and then how those become blurred 
with this, you have the idea of, I think it's the 99 percenters, so the people who uh, make up 99% of the Earth don't have the uh, the wealth, the 1% do, and that 1% are living in space, and it's about the people from Earth attempting to get some sort of... Uh, There's a lot of subtext of class war going yeah, on in third world yeah, countries. They want to see things brought together and everything shared out, and yeah. when uh, Matt Damon, who stars as the main character, he, he is infected and has to try to get to Elysium to find a cure for himself, and for various other reasons that we won't go into for spoilers, no. he he has that idea of sacrifice with him you know he's going there for a reason yeah and to bring it and and it's almost it is kind of like the occupy movement almost but now that you talk about matt damon i mean i don't know if everyone else here is going to agree with me on this because i'm going to make a fairly bold point i didn't think matt damon was a likable character i thought that while i was watching this i thought you know a lot of what he's doing in this movie is almost very selfishly motivated and he's not a heroic kind of person I think he's not a likeable kind of person but then he gets these like cyborg bits put on him and starts hitting people and suddenly you're rooting for him I, I think, think it's <laughs> I think it's probably because his motivation is is kind of selfish exactly. like straight like straight because yeah. it's more it's more to do with him not wanting to die in 5 days it starts at that doesn't yeah. it yeah i mean and they then... kind of bring in this other idea of um the the romantic uh kind of connection and her having a yeah, daughter yeah then it's yeah, that's I know, played that, down a lot well that i thought i thought that element being brought into it was just kind of a way of it not of it not seeming a selfish thing that he was doing, that maybe, oh, he's kind of doing this for them as well. And I think that the the other big thing that people have been talking about is the, the idea of these medical bays essentially being the we-can-fix-everything problem in the movie. And I kind of... I didn't think about that too much whilst I was watching it, but I, I kind of agree that that is a bit of a problem, having something that can just do everything and fix everything. But it, it, I, mm, I don't think it can fix everything, and the end kind of hints towards that, although obviously it is mm, a, it's, a, a cure for most things. Yeah. I. But that's the, that's the one thing. It wasn't too clear on... It, it didn't really explain too much so mm. it was a fix it all thing but was it really and it didn't yeah. really tell you so it was a bit strange in that sense well, I think on, on the villain side we've got uh, the people who are in charge of Elysium and in charge of keeping the people on earth down and uh, they mm. are uh, played by well most obviously Jodie Foster who plays the like, kind of secretary of defence type character yeah. who uh, is tasked with protecting it from these kind of ships that aim to almost get over the border you know from earth into space and into elysium very similar to sort of like the sort of thing you get in mexican Mexico border places like yeah. that yeah had definitely had those sort of uh, ideas in it and uh, she she is tasked with with stopping them from getting in and also you have the character played by william fitchner who is the head of uh, a corporation which Matt Damon works for, and he's the most stereotypically evil person you've ever met, which William Fitchner always seems to be, pretty much. Man in suit who's not very nice. He does. But uh, they hatch a plan together, Jodie Foster and William Fitchner, in order for her to somehow take over Elysium, and it's that that's what's running alongside it. What, what did you think of uh, those characters? I thought Jodie Foster was pretty bad in this film. Yeah, I didn't really... I wasn't too convinced. Jodie like, Foster uh, was fairly cardboard. Yeah, there's a a lot of people have been talking about the 
the the accent or whether or not it was dubbed or not. Like I, I certainly had a problem with the accent. That's that's just a very surface level thing, but that that seemed a bit odd. But it was also strange that they didn't really give her much to do. No, she was very the Iron Lady. Especially yeah. listening back to the clip just then, it was very sort of put on, and she was trying. She was going for icy, but I don't think she re- she really found it. No. And uh, the other character she has control over is a bounty hunter played by Chateau Copley, who yeah. found fame in uh, District Nine. Uh, what did you think of him in the film? He is my new favourite voice for a villain in a sci-fi film this year. I and thought probably, he was fantastic. I thought he was... I think he totally stole this film. I think he's... He's he, brilliant. He's the better of the three people who are the villains, I guess, but that's kind of because he stands out as most villainous because he's the one actually doing some of the more physically villainous But it's not, it's not even just his accent in this. It's his voice that he uses behind the accent as well. That's yeah. just like... This is brilliant. But I could he, sit here you know, and watch him be a bad guy he, he's, all day. He's the one doing the fighting and the shooting and the shouting and that kind of thing, whereas the other guys just seem to be less actually Well, doing he's carrying anything. out their, he's their yeah. blunt instrument, isn't he? But that's he? the point of Elysium. They don't, no one on Elysium wants to get their hands dirty. And that's almost the implication that you get behind why they built Elysium. It's not so that they don't have to be near... Um, you know the overpopulated earth or you know anything like that it's so that they don't have to acknowledge them hmm. you know it's, they, it's not just that they don't want to be near them they don't want to have anything to do with them they want to completely ignore them well it's that and whole thing of, that, the, of the class divide isn't it yeah that, exactly that, and, that, and that's what I ignorance is bliss that's what I thought was a bit odd as well the, the whole idea of the, um, the, the these people who live on Elysium being the upper class but then them only really being that they're they're only they're, they're just they're only evil and I didn't really get a big well, sense of of what really they were. Trying I don't know to do. about that because we only the only way we're introduced to people from in Elysium is through the people who are working in the government. We don't meet any actual people, any normal citizens particularly, mm. other than to see them living in their big houses in their their kind of nice green utopia, but. I can. I don't think I need to in order to understand what what Elysium's all about. I think I get it from what it looks like and what the people in charge are like. It's quite unambiguous about whether it's good or bad. I think the suggestion from the film is definitely that it's a bad thing that the world's been left to go to ruin and been ex- exploited by these people who have then naffed off somewhere else to live in a lovely place that's protected <laughs> by rocket ships and uh, and medical base. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, again, like like we keep saying, that's basically part parts of the world already isn't it really? and that that's a big part of yeah what seems to be an idea that neil neil blomkamp is is interested in playing exploring, towards so. which i think is quite clever that's, yeah. that's what i thought was a bit straight like slightly disappointing though because i thought i'd seen this in district nine so i and i thought it was done kind of better in that film as well so that's why I, I was less... I don't know, I think it opens it out more. That's more of an idea. With District 9, it was more like kind of the apartheid, so it had yeah. a small underclass, and then uh, the the majority, everyone else, are the people who were in control. Almost like they were all refugees. Whereas this know? this one has the, the physical distance between the planet and space, and also the small number, but with all the power, keeping down the large number with none of the power. So I can kind of understand what you mean, but I, I didn't personally have a problem with it. But let's give scores uh, out of five to... Elysium. Drew, you can go first. Well, I really like this, and I think um, that this beats most other 
sci-fi films this year except maybe Pacific Rim I did really like that but I don't know if you can kind of count it along with this uh, but definitely Oblivion I think it beats Oblivion hands down uh, so I'm going to give it four stars I really liked that um, the graphics in it were as as good as they were in District 9 and he did District 9 on a relatively low budget and uh, and like I said Shalto Copley just brilliant I love I could I could sit and watch him be a villain all day so yeah I liked it I liked it a lot and I think it's going to be hard to beat in the sci-fi genre for me now so four stars okay JP I think it was kind of I'm not I'm not too sure of whether it was slightly better or along the same lines but with with uh, with Oblivion for me, I mean, like I I remember kind of being excited for Oblivion, and then the kind of disappointment of that maybe lowered my expectations for something like Elysium. But overall, I think it was around about the same for me. And I can't remember what I gave um, Oblivion now, but if if I were to guess, it would probably be around two and a half, three stars for me. So I'm probably going to go for around that for um, Elysium as well. Probably okay, around so a three. <laughs> around a three from JP, four from Drew. I am going to give it four point five because I was really kind of uh, blown away by uh, Elysium. I was tempted to give it four point five, but I didn't. <laughs> well, it just—I like the fact it had a message. It was fairly unique. I thought it looked amazing. The the use of kind of the technology and stuff like that was was fantastic, and it, it had a bit of a punch at the end as well. So I, I thought it, it did everything I could have wanted from it. So I couldn't really fault it. Um, I, I don't know why I didn't give it five. I just think about it, they didn't make it seem like a classic, but definitely one of my favourite films of the year so far. And also, very quickly, that if you look for it, there are these certain moments, there's, a, there's this, this particular camera movement that he does every so often, where it almost follows action round. It's almost like, as someone takes a swing or something, it'll follow that round. And I really liked that, and he only used it like once or twice, but I hope it's something that he uses in the future as well. So there you go. If you haven't seen it already, keep an eye out for that when you uh, go to see Elysium. If you have seen it, tell us what you thought of it. Get in touch with the team now. Tweet us at Film Spoilers or email us on Spoilers at hot1028.com. Now, coming up very soon, we will hear from Drew for his Sofa Cinemas. And coming up later on in the show, we'll also take a look at the... Oh, sorry, it's not Drew, is it? It's JP. <laughs> but coming up, we'll also have a review of Lovelace. Smokey Robinson and Get Ready, which is taken from the soundtrack to Lovelace, as is all the music in tonight's May Contain Spoilers, and we'll be reviewing Lovelace later on in the show. But first, uh, JP, this week you've got our Sofa Cinemas. What have you chosen that's on Freeview this week? The first one I've gone for is a tie-in, of course, to Shane Carruth's upcoming movie... Uh, upstream Colour it's of course his first movie Primer uh, that's on film 4 at uh, 5 past midnight so that's <laughs> on, a time travel film right? yes it's uh, and I believe uh, that the term Caruthian is now in popular 
uh, usage. I so like that. I, I think like you, that. I think you can use that now for this particular time travel movie. Uh, so Just yeah, that's on a, a Caruthian. Caruthian, there you go. <laughs> Along with Spielbergian, Lynchian, use, Hitchcockian. Use, use around people, I've written. Yeah. <laughs> right. The next. Uh, so that that was filmed for uh, five past midnight on Saturday the thirty first. Uh, this uh, the second. Well, the next two because I tried to fit it in with our ever forcefully trying to tie it in with a um, theme. with a theme a, a genre and this this particular week I've gone for rom-coms for some reason uh, the second one I've gone for is The Breakup which is uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston obviously lovely <laughs> in, a, in another rom-com uh, that's on ITV2 10.50pm on Tuesday the 3rd of September and the second one I've gone for, which I haven't actually seen, but everyone raves about Meryl Streep in this particular movie, is The Devil Wears Prada. Okay. So, I mean, who knows if it's actually <laughs> good, but I know a lot of people rave about... But, I mean, people generally rave about Meryl Streep anyway. For, for good true. reason. But, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's it, it will be an interesting one to, to watch if I watch it, which yeah. I probably... <laughs> I'm interested by the fact that you chose those as a, as a subject. So well done for going outside the box and not just yeah. picking the usual sort of stuff that we would <laughs> often pick. So so that's uh, Devil Wears Prada. That's on E4 at 8pm Wednesday the 4th of September. So there you go. Devil Wears pra- Prada, Primer, and also The Breakup. This week's selections for... Uh, What's going to call you Drew again then? JP's Sofa Cinemas. I don't know why I'm obsessed with saying that Drew's doing Sofa Cinema. I apologise, they were good choices. It's Drew's never doing it again. No. <laughs> Coming up in the, uh, in the next part of Make It Tain Spoilers, we're going to review Love Lace and uh, also talk about the news that Ben Affleck has been cast as Batman. Do you love him? Do you hate him? Give us a tweet at Film Spoilers and let us know what you thought. <laughs> Spoilers. Hot Radio. You're listening to May Contain Spoilers. My name's Steve Lanham and with me are Drew Bridget and JP Stockwell. And uh, in the previous part of the show, we reviewed Elysium. If you've seen it, tell us what you thought of it by tweeting at Film Spoilers or email Spoilers at hot1028.com. Still to come, we're going to review Lovelace uh, starring Amanda Seyfried and also we'll have a little bit of Batman news too. But first of all, Drew, you are going to take us into crowdsourcing corner for this week's choice well i'm backing you all into a corner um firstly i just want to let people know that the uh the gray house by austin lynch uh is still going last week's that's last week's uh crowdsourcing corner one um so that is still gradually getting funded but um it's looking like it's going to be a very good project so if you do want to uh donate or bid or whatever i think they contribute i think is the term um help fund that then you know you can go back through our twitter and we have put links up but this week's new one is a, is a little bit of a strange one it's a little bit weird i didn't initially want to do this and then i thought well it is it's, it's an interesting one nonetheless so but very very strange this one is called um ghostbusters 2 the original vision slash extended cut by uh the project is by a guy called bradley bjornstad um, basically, the rundown of this is that I don't know if you know this because you talk sometimes about how much of a fan of Ghostbusters you are, yeah. in particular Bill Murray. The version, the version of Ghostbusters Two 
that Bill Murray signed on to do is not the version of Ghostbusters that ended up being in cinemas. And apparently uh, he was very disappointed that when they got to set and started filming, there were, there'd suddenly been loads of script changes and most of the story had actually ended up being changed. Um, so what this guy is doing is he's making um, part documentary, part alternative vision of the film part extended cut of the film so it's a little bit of three different things he's basically looking into what happened what went wrong with it uh what the original vision of it was and then he's sort of putting together some cgi scenes uh taken from stills of the original vision of ghostbusters 2 and putting together a sort of brief story of what it would be and then he's doing an extended cut of ghostbusters 2 with some of these extra scenes in um I'm not going to lie. It's a very odd one. It's only got 15 days to go, and it's 1% funded. So we've got a bit, oh. of, a, bit of a work to do yet. Well, this is, this is the thing. This is the comparison. It's 1% funded of a $100,000 goal. To put that in perspective, Austin Lynch, who was last week's one, was 16% funded this time last week of a $25,000 goal. Right, so long way to go on that one. Long way to go, but I thought it was a bit interesting to talk about nonetheless. Okay, and uh, we'll of course put a link to that on our Twitter and our Facebook as well. So that's Ghostbusters 2 and what was it? The Original Vision the original slash vision. Extended Cut. So you'll be able to find a link to that on at Film Spoilers uh, straight after the show and you can join in and attempt to make it towards that tantalising target of 100,000. Coming up after Casey and the Sunshine Band, we're going to be reviewing Loveless. Casey and the Sunshine Band and Shotgun Shuffle taken from the soundtrack to Lovelace. Uh, you're listening to May Contain Spoilers. And just a reminder that if you've missed anything on this week's show or you want to go back and listen to any of our previous shows, then uh, the podcast will be up from Friday afternoon and uh, you can go back through the back catalogue and listen to any of our reviews from previous shows or interviews as well. So that'll be up from Friday afternoon. Uh, but let's take a look at another film which is out in cinemas this week, which is the Amanda Seyfried starring Lovelace and the Get story. Get your silk shirts out. Yeah, this is uh, flared trousers and silk shirts ahoy for Lovelace. (laughs) And it is the story of uh, notorious, I suppose, uh, adult movie star uh, Linda Lovelace. And uh, she's used... I'll read you the synopsis. I've kind of half made that up myself and it's not gone well. (laughs) Uh, The story of Linda Lovelace, who is used and abused by the porn industry at the behest of her coercive husband before taking control of her life. We are making a movie here on 35 millimeters. Jerry even wrote a script. 42 pages. You hear that? This thing is going to be in theaters. And look, people want what they want. Chuck, your girl, she's cute. She's skinny. She's got no hips. It's just like making a war movie without the fighting. Chuck, I don't want to bum you out. Can she type? Look, maybe I can find some work for her in the office. <sighs> look at this. Look at this I don't here. care about this. Listen to me. Look. I know she doesn't have it. Chuck. Look at you just saw what she could do. She acted, oh, look, she couldn't. Look what she can do. Look, look, she, look, she, look, look, she, look, she, look, did you see this? Look at this. Look at this. Have you seen this? Oh. Wait. Is that real? Is she actually doing that? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, oh. oh, my God. That's far out. That is, you, you see that? That is art, baby. That's art. 
So Lovelace is directed by Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman and stars Amanda Seyfried, James uh, Franco, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, as well as Sharon Stone, Robert Patrick, Juno Temple and Hank Azaria. What did you guys think of Lovelace? Well, I thought it had some interesting kind of narrative points to it. But I think overall it does, for me, kind of suffer from some of the typical biopic uh, traits of just you know having to well i think biopics in in a sense all have like a big problem just being able to portray you know events that you know as being interesting if they're not already inherently interesting and i think that there was a bit of that in, well there was quite a lot of that in this i thought i'm with you on that one it went to such great lengths at the start of the film to make it obvious how innocent she was before she uh, met chuck trainer who became her husband and sort of manager slash abuser i suppose i mean she is it's almost ridiculous and it, even though i didn't really know the story that well it did have that feeling of someone ticking off various points of her life and sort of here it is, this is the bit that's important, here's another yeah. bit that's important. And although the film takes a slightly interesting way of telling that story by having the first half of the film being the sort of rise to fame and, and almost the good side of, yeah, the positive of what side. happened to her, and the second half being the same story but told from the negative side, that in theory sounds interesting and I liked it as an idea. Unfortunately, about three quarters of the way through the film, I kind of got a little bit bored of seeing the same thing again, even though you're seeing it from a different perspective. It was a little bit like, oh, this feels like it's being forced onto me a little bit. Well, yeah, it feels like because you know you know where 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 about where, when you get to the negative half of the story you know whereabouts you haven't got to yet so yeah. you're just kind of waiting for oh okay I'm waiting for this point that I saw in the positive half of the film to get to get to reach to that bit so I can see some some more you know abuse which isn't that <laughs> that uh you know, it's. I, I want to avoid all of the puns that have been said at this film, but oh, you know, the, plenty, the, yeah. the hard to swallow and all this yeah, kind well, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's all I say. You're going to avoid it and then read them out anyway, which is, is <laughs> <what's gonna be. laughs> the best I, of both worlds. There's only going to be one. So, okay. Yeah. So, but I think probably the the biggest um, problem I had with uh, with the movie is that how it wraps up at the very end, because it seems like that part of the story is probably the more interesting and there was a lot of stuff because I was talking to my dad about this actually who kind of he, he he knows slightly more parts of the story about this than I do and he's and he was saying that there was a lot of stuff that he was you know reading about reviews and stuff in the paper that were left out and he was talking to me about how did I feel about that and obviously because I don't really know the story I thought oh well if they're leaving all of this stuff out at the at the end and I'm referring specifically to her TV interview where she's talking about her book there was a lot of stuff that happened before that um, which is like a big chunk of her life that they just seem to kind of breeze over yeah it skips straight from her being uh, having her fall from grace almost to becoming uh, a normal person almost you know li- yeah, struggling to and, find and a this job and, and apparently there was a whole section where she went, actually went back to more prostitution and a lot there's there's a big chunk of her life that's just kind of left out and but mm. that's at the very end and it's just kind of like and then she did a book and and that was it and then you get some some titles at the end to fill in yeah, a couple I didn't, of things I mean I, I, I'd kind of had enough of, of the misery at that point anyway yeah exactly um, so I mean if there was a structural 
uh, reimagining of the story beforehand, then maybe that would have been a better way to do it. Well, maybe that's why they they structured it the way they did, because unfortunately a lot of it is incredibly depressing and and negative and about abuse. So the only way you can get any laughs out of it is to separate the negative stuff from the the glamorous side and have the glamorous stuff on its own and then the negative stuff towards the end. And there is some fun to be had from Hank Azaria and people like that in the film and the hilarious clothes and the the, terrible haircuts. Yeah, the 70s era stuff is is probably kind of the more interesting the fact that you know it's actually shot on super 16 as well to yeah. give it the kind of grainy 70s look it looked very authentic yeah. and it had that whole a little bit of a dress up box look about it where everyone yeah. was wearing crazy clothes and, and it seems a little bit too much like the perfect idea of the 70s yeah. um, I have to say with the performances I'm not normally a huge fan of Amanda Seyfried I think she's normally a bit dull in films she always seems to play very uninteresting characters and uh, it's nice to see her not doing that in this, playing someone who is a little bit edgier. And I thought she was really, really good in it. I thought she did a brilliant job of of having kind of both sides of the personality we've already talked about. But at the same time, still uh, being able to kind of dirty that image that she had from, from Mamma Mia. And I think Could that partly be down to the fact that she's playing a character that you can actually go back and research? And there's actually sort of, you know, tangible footage and interviews and stuff like that. So she's not just studying for a part, she's studying a person to play. Maybe, yeah. I I mean, I don't know too much about the original Linda Lovelace. I don't know if she's Mm. anything like Amanda Seyfried, but I thought she was good in this. And I I was really impressed uh, by Peter Sarsgaard as well. Yeah, I was going to say, he's he's probably the standout for me in, in that, you know, he can definitely play... Uh, a, a very kind of nasty, creepy guy. Yeah, and uh, uh, so he he can pull off that role. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you also get a, a brief cameo with uh, James Franco as Hugh Hefner as well, which I didn't. Rea- I knew he was in the film. I didn't realise he was. Uh, <laughs> he, was he was Hugh, Hugh Hefner. Hefner. Yeah, I think I I knew he was in the film. It's almost a while a, ago, but it's it's very brief as well. It's an imag- It's like a. Uh, it's not a, a straight up parody of Hugh Hefner it's like his reimagination of him yeah it's a and Franco he, version yeah of he Hugh plays Hefner. it you know slightly sleazy as well but yeah. I think because he's kind of upstaged by Peter Sarsgaard that he kind of gets lost a little bit in that as well I don't think you can play Hugh Hefner any other way other than slightly uh, slightly seedy to be honest <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's the <laughs> kind problem of he's, the he's only slightly seedy compared yeah. to Peter Sarsgaard yeah so uh, let's give Lovelace scores out of five JP you can go first I think uh, I'll go for around about the same as Elysium as well. I think it's I'll go for a three stars. I think the the whole narrative thing was kind of interesting, but then when you're because it, it's not exactly a, a 50-50 split in the film, or well, maybe it was, but it didn't feel that way, did it? It felt that, that the whole yeah. beginning part was quite quick, and then we're doing all the catch up stuff in the in the dark side, as it were. But um, I think it's it's just. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe I'm not that that big a fan of biopics in general, really. Just because you know, the, you can just look the story up. I guess yeah, it's, it's I mostly think... just for seeing how good an impression people can do, or something. Any like comparison that. between this and Behind the Candelabra? Well, the, 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 there is good examples of them, but I think um, it's more 
well, certainly in the the setting and stuff, that people have been made comparisons to you know something like Boogie Nights or something, uh. and it's a little bit. I can see that more comparison to Behind the Candelabra. I, I guess. thought it had Behind the Candelabra had more depth than this yes, did. So. Yeah. Uh, so three stars from me. Three stars from JP. I think I also gave it. I think I gave it three point five when I uh, when I watched it because although there were things that I liked about it, like Amanda Seyfried and the look of it and the, the sound of the music and all that sort of thing, it just kind of wore me down eventually, and I was a little bit sort of drained and tired by the end of it. So I, I like you think it's very difficult to do a biopic well and yeah. uh, it not just feel like events being ticked off in the timeline. So. Yeah. Interesting, but not maybe uh, uh, one of those sort of classic biopics. So if you've seen Lovelace and you want to agree or disagree with us, here's how you can get involved. Get in touch with the team now. Tweet us at Film Spoilers or email us on makeandtakespoilers at hot1028.com. Batman. Yes. Batfleck. Batfleck. Okay, well, let's get down to it. I mean, are we just going to jump straight? Everyone knows the news by this point. Should we just jump in with opinions? Okay, yes. well, sh- should we jump in and say, where were you when you found out the news? I was in bed. Everyone in this country I was, was in No, I'll tell you where I was. I was in bed, and I found out because Steve texted me. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> That's how I found out. That's how news broke to me. Well, I got a text from you. I isn't didn't it, remember doing it, that. It's kind of unfortunate, isn't it? Because we... Were we... On air when it happened? Or no, was no, it was, no, 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 no. It was after the show. Okay, but it was. Last yeah, week. I, I remember. I think I must have found out on you know Friday afternoon or something, and thinking, oh, if this had only been a few hours before, we could have had it. You know, breaking news. Could like, have had th- it this, that week. But, but uh, I remember. You know, uh, and I think one of the things that most people that I've been seeing on most reactions is, um, was it a joke? You know the 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 very first out, uh, um, reactions of people, and I think that kind of says something about what people might be thinking about this. Because I think because well, I, I, a- I, re- I remember thinking something like that as well. I think I saw you know just a small headline on IMDb News or something, and just very instinctual reaction of was was it a joke or is this real? And then wanting to look up and see if you know a studio had confirmed it. And well, here's they the had. thing. There's been a petition now yeah, that people have signed. There's like five fifty thousand signatures uh, of people getting to them to recast it um, so that Ben Affleck isn't in it. I would just like to say this: What's your problem? What is okay? And I think like, I think I may be able to answer that. And you, I know it's not a good answer. No, 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 no. But right? Daredevil. No, no. <laughs> People are wrong about this, and I, all right? Yeah, that's what the I'm thinking. The fact is, the fact is, Ben Affleck was the best part of Daredevil. And in that film, if you go back and watch it, the reason he's the best part is because he is basically the Marvel Batman in that film. The whole point of Daredevil is that he is as gritty and hard as nails as Batman is. When Frank Miller wrote Daredevil some daredevil things he wrote him in the same style as batman so all the things that batman can do matt murdoch can do and daredevil can do and ben affleck was the best part of the daredevil movie all you know script the terrible acting on everyone else's behalf and the terrible storyline aside he was really good in it and the fact is that you never know who 
is going to do what kind of iteration of Batman until you see the film. Yeah. Perfect examples of this, and there's lots of examples of uh, actors who have had petitions and campaigns against them playing characters. Examples just off the top of my head, Daniel Craig, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was saying he couldn't be Bond, blonde Bond. Yeah. And those people look quite stupid. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Also, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, one. which is yeah. the one that I was going to... That was my punchline you've taken crazy. there. But yeah. The people who said he was just in it as... Uh, he was cast f- for the women, basically. And then he turns up being the archetypal um, kind of bad guy. That goes to show how little people know. And, of course, this isn't even the first time Batman. People have, have had a problem with a Batman because there's a similar thing where Michael Keaton was cast yeah. as the Tim Burton Batman. And then, so, and then on opening day everyone shut up about yeah, it so until uh, people have a, an opinion on everything and it's it's ridiculous because you can't have an opinion until it happens so I guess there it, we go. It, it's it's most people thinking it's a step down from Christian Bale it's most people thinking oh no it's not Christian Bale so therefore yeah. we've got a problem literally no one I don't think could have been given that I think anyway. it's going to be good because we're not going to have him doing his throat cancer voice it's very true it'd be very different so anyway let's uh, move on to what's out on DVD and Blu-ray next week uh, we've got a few things here again there's been a lot of re-releases but uh, there are a few brand new things to Blu-ray the big one of course is Star Trek Into Darkness probably one of my favourite sci-fi movies of this year Uh, we were talking about Elysium there but I think this one beats all of those Um, we've also got Mud Again, uh, very highly regarded among us here. Yep. Uh, we've also got well, I've put Die Hard Five, but it's officially it's it's a good a good day, good day to Die, die Hard. hard. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we we didn't <sighs> see or review that, did? Or no, did we? We did. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, I anyway. didn't see it. Yeah. yeah but you no, saw it. It was you not good. To... We both decided that it was not that great a no. Die Hard film. Yeah, so possibly avoid that one. Uh, for TV fans, there is the first series of uh, Hannibal. Starring uh, Mads Mikkelsen or Heard Ma- good Mass, about I think it, you're but supposed not to say. Seen it yeah. myself. Yeah, so I'm uh, looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of uh, cinema releases, we have Your Next, the horror film, which I haven't been able to get the song out of my head from the trailer. <laughs> a bit of Such yeah. a perfect day. Yeah. Uh, there's also The Way Way Back. Uh, Pain and Gain, which I'm quite interested in. Just in, yeah, the just Michael Bay, the Michael Bay, the low work, budget yeah. Michael Bay movie. Uh, uh, I mentioned uh, Primer, of course. Upstream Color is uh, coming out this week as well. There's also something called Hammer of the Gods, which I'm not quite too sure. Uh, what what it actually is, but I thought I'd mention it. There's also some uh, previews of Riddick, the third Riddick film, and uh, About Time, the Richard Curtis movie. So, a fairly action-packed week of uh, releases. I know there's a few previews in there, but even so, a lot of films that are worth seeing in there. Just a couple of ones to flag up the way, way back, I'm very looking forward to. And also, Your Next seems to be getting very good reviews. So, uh, on next week's show, I think we will probably have reviews of maybe Your Next and The Way, Way Back, maybe? Or one of those two? I'm, I'm, I'm interested in saying Pain and Gain. Oh, I'm yeah. all Pain and Gain. Yeah. It could be anything. You don't have yeah. to uh, There stay is quite tuned. a lot of good stuff. I mean, Upstream Colour as well, but who yeah. knows if that's showing anywhere near here. So, we will have to make a decision over the next seven days or so, and we will mention on our Facebook and Twitter what we have chosen in time for next week's show if you want to find out what we've chosen or you want to find anything else we've been talking about during the week you can go to our Facebook page just type May Contain Spoilers into Facebook and you can find us there uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Film Spoilers is the place to find that and uh, of course there is a podcast if you go to your search engine and type in May Contain Spoilers podcast you'll be able to find a link 
to a iTunes version and a non-iTunes version of that podcast. All our previous shows, you can hear our, our reviews of things like Star Trek Into Darkness, Mud, uh, old interviews, Drew Pearce, Iron Man 3, Mark Kermode, blah, 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 blah. All those things are all on our old podcast. You can go through and pick out the ones that you like. So all of that is the various ways in which you can get in touch with the show. Email us, spoilers at hot1028.com with any reviews. And keep up the tweets about Batman. And just keep up the good work in general. Yeah, exactly. So until next week, when we come back with a review of one of those films, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And I'm sorry I b- crash-landed <laughs> and destroyed someone's lawn. 